I suppose I, people people just don't know the difference these days, do they? Because that's all they're used to. So. I, I think that's probably the, the best point you could make about it, Carl, to be honest, uh, in, in as much as um, people that grew up without it understand the value of it and yeah. also how it can devalue what is purveying. I think that what most people tend to lose is the idea that just because all the information is available, it doesn't make all information equally relevant. Absolutely. All good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hey folks, welcome to the Grindhead Podcast, episode 12. I'm Grindhead Jim, your host here. I'm joined by somewhat of a, uh, a hero of mine. Uh, I, I first heard of this individual uh, in the early 90s through a death metal band called Bolt Thrower, um, which I got into and then really got into. And the longer that band trudged on, the more into that band I became. Anyone who will listen, I will tell Bolt Thrower fucking rules. Um, several years ago, the band, um, dissolved, uh, for reasons we'll discuss during the podcast, um, and later, to my surprise, um, this individual was, became part of a new band called Memoriam, which, you know, had melded some other aspects of the death metal community, some other members, and bring, you know, gave us something new that still breathed life into that that spirit of what really got me into that style of death metal bolt throw represented. And furthermore, at a time when I needed something that I could latch onto. And uh, the voice of both of those bands is none other than Carl Willett. Uh, so I'm very happy to have you on the podcast, sir. How are you today? How are you there, Jim? Yes, it's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Um, yeah, it's been a long time we had this plan, so it's it's good to finally uh, get <laughs> yeah. around to getting this done, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. It's snowing here in the UK. Uh, we've got about, wow, a whole foot of snow, and it's caused complete gridlock to the country, as it always does. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's good to speak to you, mate. Absolutely. We've been, uh, just a in, little insider track, we've been on this, trying to get a, a talk together for the better part of a year. Um and and just schedules just did not mesh for various reasons, and finally we're here, so I'm grateful for that. Um, to to put a finer point on on what I was saying in the intro, for my first introduction to to your stuff was Warmaster, um, which I enjoyed, uh, but at the time it wasn't it didn't speak to me the way it speaks to me now. Um, it, for whatever reason, I was really heavily into like the more blast heavy grind and stuff like that. So it wasn't quite where I, I knew there was something there. And then when For Victory came out, it hit me between the eyes. I'm like, that. All of this. Like, I want nothing but this. And much to my uh, pleasure and surprise, that's pretty much the template for the rest of Bolt Thrower. It just got better and better at that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then... with Definitely. Well, I think Warmaster was kind of like a... Uh... Quite a, a turning point for Northrower, mm-hmm. very much so. Is um, you know a time when we were, in a way, trying to find who we were and what our sound was. So, you know, Warmaster was a um, a big step forward from the, the second album, Realm of Chaos, which mm-hmm. in turn was a big step forward from In Battle, There Is No Law. And you know, as I say, we were kind of experimenting. You know, there was nothing. There's not a lot of other bands around making that kind of 
you know, I think Bolt Thrower Slam was pretty unique, really, you know, uh, in many Definitely. respects. You know, it didn't really fit comfortably into any specific genre. genre. Um, it was it was what it was. Uh, it was Bolt Thrower. And it worked, you know, and it was great. And um, I think, as you say there, yeah, we, I think once we kind of got to the uh, fourth crusade, that was it. That was the formula that worked for us. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we kind of pretty much stuck to that formula for the rest of the band's uh, duration, you know, because we pretty much went by the adage of, um, you know, if it's not broke, why fix it? You know, it worked. Yeah. We think we'd seen so many bands around us, um, our peers or bands that had influenced us and we'd like to go off on one and, and do a, a, an album which sounded you know, totally different from from what they were doing previously, and and in many respects, what that did was alienate the fan base and make people think mm, this isn't what I really want to win into. So we were quite aware of that concept. So we had built a pretty loyal following throughout our you know twenty thirty years of of doing um, bolt thrower, and you know that 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 you know it's it's a family because people grown up listening to our music you know i think there's a kind of a very close bond between um the people that like bolt thrower and the band you know i think we've, we've kind of we kind of are very aware that the band were only in the position that they were through the support they got off people and you know as the band evolved we saw you know people growing older with us we kept on seeing the same people come to the gigs there and then and then their, their children you know it was, it was almost towards the end there was always three like three generations of families coming along to the show, so it's great to see that um, that development through people's lives, and, and it's nice. It's you know, it's great to have, have kind of left that kind of um, long-lasting legacy um, and had that impact on people's lives. You know, it's it's a very um, humbling experience to hear the stories some people uh, report to me about how the our music's helped them through specific periods in their lives when they had difficult times and you know that's for me that's really um achievement done you know if, if we can have that kind of impact on people um then that's 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 a beautiful thing to hear and i'm very proud of my time in that their band we had some good times and, and to be honest uh it, it's you know i'm glad you brought up the you know the fact that you are grateful to hear stories of of you know your band getting people through um it is, in fact, of your newer outfit, Memoriam, that I speak when I talk about um, very specifically getting through something. You know, just before the first Memoriam record came out, uh, my mother died, and there were two, there were two records that I latched onto, and the first Memoriam record being one of them, and uh, because it was, it's very directly about loss and the motivation that you have to find from that so i mean you know it couldn't be any more obvious that this is the record i needed absolutely our, t- our timing was impeccable obviously or oh, your mother's timing was impeccable uh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> i'm very sorry to hear about your loss but yeah nothing worse than uh losing your mother uh, but yeah uh, the, uh, the band memoriam uh, was born out of that experience of loss and mourning um mm-hmm. you know it's it's a it's a subject which is you know death is a subject it's a subject it's almost like a, a taboo in many respects you know you, you don't really ever talk about it with people and until it directly happens no you know it doesn't happen to you because if you're dead you're dead but if when you lose the, your loved ones your close friends your your family that's 
the time when you kind of like, you know, you react to it emotionally. And, and um, yeah, you, you look for things to latch onto. And that's why we, we created um, Memoriam at that point, because, you know, it was following on from the loss of, of Martin, obviously, mm. and that's been well documented in the past. And also at that time, at the same time, um, Frank lost his dad as well. So, yeah, Memoriam is a band that was born from that sadness and, and that darkness. And so the first album in itself, um, we considered to be a tribute to um, you know, to Martin, but not just Martin, but to all those that we've loved and lost, um, you know, the, the fallen in general. Um, and, yeah, the first album very much kind of... Um, Kind of, kind of experiences. It's all about the experience of mm. of loss and mourning and sorrow, and it explores those kind of feelings. Uh, it's very kind of reflective on those kind of the initial stage of of loss. You know, because grief, grieving is a um, it's a process that we all go through. You know, as you get older, you know, you tend to find that these things happen to us more regularly, which is sad but true a uh, fact um, but yeah so the first album really much was was kind of all, kind of exploring these themes of loss and suffering and, and, and really we were in a, we were in ourselves personally in a, in a very dark place I was in a very dark place um, you know following the loss of Martin not just that you know coming to terms with, with losing him was one thing but then also coming to terms with maybe you know what I was going, what I was going to do in my future at that point, you know, mm. it seemed like that everything could come to an end. You know, both had decided to just put everything on a a long time hiatus, and and you know, I was thinking, well, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, what am I going to do myself? You know, I kind of formulate my identity really through the whole concept of, of being in a band and I love performing and, and, and yeah it was, it was a very dark place to be in when, when you're going through that, that, that those feelings of, of um, grief so yeah well, I really just basically sat myself down and thought well you know what can I do what can I what can I do to pull myself out of this situation because you know it, I can't go on for you know in this darkness it's it's uh it's no good for me you know, it's no good you know, I've, got to, I've got to try and do something create something positive out of a for such a, a negative, uh, bad experience. So, you know, at that point, I really just had to sit down and think, well, what do I want to do? You know, and, you know, it, it was evident to me that I, I enjoy being in a band. I, I um, you know, I like performing live. So I thought, well, okay, let's let's move forward and start something fresh. I always wanted to work with Whale. You know, I'm very close with Whale. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the reason I joined Baltimore in the first place. And... Um, Definitely had some unfinished business to, to get to do complete. You know, Frank also, I've known him for over 30 years, and, and yeah, so he was always going to be involved um, in what we do. And then we kind of got together just to create a bit of joy, a bit of a bit of um, hope, maybe in many respects, and a bit of just have some fun, you know, to try and kind of recreate those feelings that you get when you're first in a band. Um, those feelings, just going to the rehearsal room and, and having a few beers with the mates. You know, that's the bottom line. Just having a bit of fun, a bit of enjoyment. And that's really the whole ethos of why we started doing Memoriam. And it all, it's all kind of grown from there over the past two years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we are following that process of grief. Yeah, grief st- sticks with you. It doesn't just go away. It's something that stays with you. But it develops. It changes. Time 
you know, affects it. Um, and I think the second album is very much the next phase, the Silent Vigil. <laughs> we explore the um, the next phase of grief, which is just maybe a little bit more self-reflective, where you start to, you know, maybe a bit more angrier about things. Maybe you kind of start mm. questioning um, things that are going on in the world around you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got an idea. You know, there's definitely a, um, a three-album kind of concept that we've got in mind to explore this kind of idea of grief. So, obviously, we've got the next one kind of almost planned and lined up, and we've already written some songs for it. We've got Dan Seagrave lined up for the album cover already, and we've got the studio kind of prospectively booked. So, yeah, we are following a very quick, fast-paced process to explore the theme of uh, of of yeah grief and loss and mourning, so there you have it. Gotcha, and, and it definitely makes a lot of sense uh, when you look at where the band came from. That this is a very uh, stark, direct result of that. Um, what fascinates me because I you know I, I look at you know what you guys are doing to to deal with that grief and that loss. Uh, and you also bring up the fact that you're trying to reclaim a certain degree of the hope and innocence of first starting a band. I, I find that when you do things uh, as a result of grief or as as a uh, you know as a means to work through, uh, at some point you take all the different elements and there at some point becomes a celebration yes. of yeah. life. Would you yeah. say that perhaps the live gig is that that portion of that, or where does that come in for you with Memoriam? Oh, you just clicked, you just clicked out there, mate. But uh, I got the celebration of life. Can and, you hear me? Uh, yeah, you, you, can you hear me? Yeah, sure poor can. Net, poor network connection. I got up to the celebration of life there, you know, which yeah, you know, that's that's one of my classic one-liners, which I always, you know. Uh, confirm when we play live that you know our music is a a celebration of life through the form of death metal you know mm -hmm. we are all kind of getting older together and experiencing all these things in our own lives and sharing the moments when we come together at these our gigs so yeah it, it is pure joy and celebration born of sadness and darkness and, and light has come from that you know but for me, the whole thing about starting up a new band is a, is a is a whole fresh new experience for me. I've never actually started a band from fresh. I joined Bolt Thrower mm. when I when I was when they'd got you know a couple of demos out and they'd already recorded a a John Peel session. So I I, I joined them you know after the the first single left. So, so doing Memorial from scratch was a completely new experience for me. And um, yeah, it's been it's been. Um, I always think that in life, the, the, the firsts, when you first do something, when you first record an album, when you first hear yourself on the radio, um, when you first play a certain continent or, or city, those are the things that got more resonance and, and kind of always stick in your mind um, a lot more. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting point. Um, and we kind of, we thrive on that. And, and, and um, we are... Yeah, moving through this experience together. So do you find that with you having a, a three-album arc of, you know, you have a set message in mind, you want to, you know, develop these these different phases of loss and grief, um, 
what for you, I mean, granted, if you've already got that part planned out, would there be a second arc? Or would this morph into something completely different? Like, what do you see going beyond that? Because you seem very yeah. focused on that, and that's a good thing. But it does make me wonder what what comes after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the first album, you know, we've we produced, uh, you know, two albums in two years. I mean, mm-hmm. do you pretty much want to try and keep that pace rolling? You're kind of very aware of... Um, our position in, in our lives, you know, we kind of all not so young anymore. And, you know, you just don't know what's <laughs> round the corner, you know, from our experiences of life, like we, we, you know, life is short. So we are grasping the opportunity to do what we can do, you know, and do it when we can, uh, at the fastest pace we can. So, yeah, we, we do envisage the next album to be out, you know, maybe not around the same time. Um, we probably will leave it a little bit longer. Um but we do envision the next album to be out in 2019, maybe towards the end of 2019. So that follows the tra- yeah, tra- trajectory of what we're trying to experience and convey with this kind of like journey we're going through. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, obviously the, the, the visual aspect of what we do in the artwork with is provided by um, Dan Seagrave. That kind of forms almost a, a triptych that we kind of we've got in mind the three the three um, album covers fit together nicely to tell that story as well so we are you know on that trilogy of um, of, of albums but beyond that you know we are already uh, thinking about what we want to do and um yeah we are doing this selfishly <laughs> entirely for ourselves um it is very nice and it's great that the people um are into it and they get where we're coming from and you know they, they, they're i think they're enjoying the continuation of the journey you know in this in this other tangent that it's gone off in you know and, and i think when people buy into that and they understand where we're coming from and why we're doing it i think that really helps and that's but, clearly a big part of of why people are latching on honestly is the selfishness i think that shows in the music because it is so <laughs> pure in in its approach whereas and I don't think you'll mind me saying this, you know, Bolt Thrower had an agenda in as much as it was about warfare and concepts of people in war, at war, the effects of it. You can only get so personally involved with that to a certain degree. Yeah. It's great yeah. storytelling and it's excellent music, but you're still yes. kind of removed from that depending upon your viewpoint. Whereas Memoriam is, there's nowhere to hide. There's no veil behind which you can go well i didn't mean it like that because this like there's no agenda anymore it's now this is us this is what we're dealing with how how as 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 a lyric writer how does that change for you does that create maybe some fear or apprehension on your part great question uh yeah i mean 30 years of writing songs about war um you know it's great you know and and it's it's yeah formed part of what I've, I've I'm all about and it was a fascinating subject matter but there's only so much you can write about you know from that perspective and you know until you start to you know go over the same topics and issues um and yeah as you say it's it's something that you know I've never actually been in a war myself I've never actually been a soldier I've never been in the military so it was all really from the you know a distant perspective so I was very aware with Memoriam that I wanted to create something that was a lot more personal, you know, a lot more mm. reflective of how I feel about the world that we live in and talk about things that are important to me, 
my feelings about things and and that's great for me as a, as a lyricist because it with both there was a formula it worked we stuck to that formula with memoriam there is no formula we've got a completely open blank canvas we can do what the hell we want and we do at an alarmingly fast pace what we tend to do is write something we're happy with it don't go back move forward we don't tinker with it we don't overproduce it we keep try and keep it as raw as possible and we move forward and we write another song and another song and another song we move forward in that respect but lyrically it's been a fantastic um experience for me i mean in the past i've written songs which you know had maybe a certain element of you know social political content derived from how the you know how they're interpreted by the people that are listening to it but it's always kind of covered within the subtext of the song um but i think with more well i know with memorial that i'm maybe a bit more a bit older now Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit more confident in my own ability and a bit less wary about what other people think of me. You know, I'm quite happy and quite confident to get up on my you know, my soapbox and say something about things that I think are wrong or bad with the world we live in. You know, I think really as, a, as an artist, as, a, as a, a lyricist, as a creative person, you've got to do that. You know, if I was to not do that at this point, I think I'd be doing myself a massive uh, injustice. And, um, you know, there's, 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 you know, there is a things going on in the world that need to, things to be made comment on, you know, I've got things that disturb me. I've got kids now, so I'm thinking about the future for them. And there's a lot happening in the world. So yeah, this new album, I think the first album was very much a transition album for us um, we were very aware of maybe the expectations that were on us um, mm-hmm. you know, from, from you know, the people that were going to listen to the album from the record label from the promoters at gigs so you know and even our, our, ourselves you know we're always going to have that time that, that comparison so we were very much tied to the chains and the shadows of, of, of what had been gone on previously with our former band so I think that kind of held us back in a way and we retained a lot of the elements of um, songs about war. War rages on, you can't get to, But yeah, that's all about life moving forward as well. But there was a couple of songs on the first album that started to be more overtly political. Um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about Reduced to Zero. I'm talking about Corrupted System in particular. Those are the two songs that jump out, really, that, uh, that were making a social comment or a, a political statement. And now with a new album, you know, I think it's flipped even more so. You know, maybe on the last album it was 80 to 80 percent war, 20 percent social political content, and it's flipped the other way now. So I think it's you know 20 percent war and 80 percent social political content. The song, the songs themselves are totally reflective about the way I feel about things in life. So there's songs are in there that have got a, a theme of. Um, about inequality and racism and the rise of the global rise of the right wing and and the way the media manipulates people etc 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 but also there's songs on there a couple of songs on there which are about 
moving forward and transition and growth and moving to something new, which I think is quite relevant to what we're doing as a, as individuals and as a band. And there's some other personal songs on there. There's, there's one called um, Nothing Remains, which is about dementia, which is um, all about my experience with my mother, who's uh, developed that over the past 12 months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot more overtly personal and reflective, which, again, I think that ties into the, the next phase of the grieving process, um, which we are going through on this journey. Absolutely. I'm very proud of it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of almost that I'm working outside of my comfort zone in many respects. You know, I'm used to writing songs about war. Um, so it's been quite challenging to write lyrics that um, are meaningful, and make a statement, and aren't... I've still got, yeah, still got that kind of um, authenticity and, um, yeah, not cheesy, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I'm really proud with the way they've come out. Yeah, so that's one, for me, that's the one of the strongest points on the album. And, and with that in mind, I mean, you can see that beyond the band itself. Um, since Memoriam started, you know, that's more or less when I first became aware of your social media presence, you personally. And that's how you and I met. Um, and I am I, a yeah. <laughs> now, I have noticed just even in the last, say, 18 months um, that you have just kind of grown into uh, making more definitive statements from a personal nature. Like, for example, you, more recently, I, I would say, there's been a much larger presence of anti-racism and anti-fascism statements on your account, which I'm right there with. I mean... Um, I'm trying to stir the cesspool. <laughs> where does the motivation for that come from? I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're both from a generation that that was the thing, you know, when we were in our teens. But now we're in our 40s and 50s. It's a little bit different. Um, where do you find the renewed vigor for those viewpoints and the push to really want to make sure that that message is getting out there? Yeah, yeah. As you say, you know, it's it's. Um... It's a cultural thing, you know, it's, it's been there, you know, on the back burner, something maybe I haven't talked about so overtly, uh, but it's always been there, you know, it's been part of, of you know, after the cultural studies degree at Birmingham University, I live in Birmingham, we are very much a multicultural, um, diverse um, society, we live in Birmingham, and we're very proud of that, it's what makes our country, our countries, or the world, a, um, a special place is accepting cultural diversity and embracing people that are different. That's really what makes up the nature of our country. It makes up definitely makes up the nature of of your country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it just seems we're living in a time where all that is being pushed to one side. You know, we kind of like in fear of people that are different through acts of terror that have occurred throughout the world and you know as a knee-jerk reaction to that we are almost blaming blanket blaming the whole um of certain specific you know types of people you know and um i find that's really alarming and you know instead of living in a society where you know we kind of should having open boundaries and, and, and embracing people that do it seems to be more concern in pushing people away and building walls and 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 vilifying people that are different um and that's really something that i feel very strongly uh, against you know i think and it's happening right across the world we live in i think that's a really really dangerous 
mindset and um, it seems to be almost kind of, you know, justified by a lot of the political system that we're living in, you know, kind of the kind of right wing control of the media and, uh, you know, just look at that person that's in control of your country. (laughs) (laughs) He's a massive source of inspiration for me. You know, we're going through an issue here in the UK, which is Brexit. We are Mm -hmm. currently in the process of withdrawing from the European community. For me, that's a really negative experience. You know, I'm very much a pro-European remain um you know supporter i always have been you know my, my whole kind of career has been built you know, built on the basis of freedom of travel and being able to go and and visit other countries and travel around as a musician and um there's so many lies and spins that has been fed to the gullible uh population to make them vote in specific ways and there's just been you know, sucked in by it, hook, line, hook, line and sim, yeah, sinker. And it's um, it's really frustrating. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of using this uh, platform, this privileged kind of platform that I've got to get up and say something and and tell people exactly how I feel about it. I don't really expect to change people's minds because it seems almost that there is no middle ground anymore. You know, we're in a, we're in a society where where opinions are totally polarised. There is, you know, no, almost no room for debate because there's one set of ideals and the other, on the left, there's one set of ideals on the right and there's just a massive clash of ideology and, um, yeah, it's troubling times. So, yeah, my position to say something is really important to me to do that at this point in my life and um, I'm really proud that I've been able to do that with this new album. And it, you're clearly doing a great job of it because there's no question how you feel about a lot of different issues. That's for sure. Um, and and I and I can certainly appreciate and, and empathize with that for sure. Something that I found interesting from a political standpoint is that for let's say the '80s, more so the '90s and the early part of the 2000s, um, for whatever reason, our country in the U.S. We were shifting towards, we, we thought we could do no wrong uh, politically, and the UK's government kind of was just kind of following along, a kind of a me too kind of thing. And Absolutely, now, yeah. now yeah. it's reversed. Yeah. In, in as yeah. much as, as soon as Brexit, you know, came down, you know, you, you know, the UK was like, look what this stupid right wing shit we did. And America's like, hold my beer. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so then we got, yeah, and we got our president in. And but what I find interesting, though, is that we we made that flip. Things are what they are in this country. But what always fascinates me is I can only be as objective as I can being in this country. So I try to get my news from outside of the U.S. because I like to have that global view. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, okay, to yeah. get fed by the local spin as well, don't you? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so to to kind of drill down, what I'm getting to is that you know the the the, the viewpoint of someone from the UK who is got their thumb on the pulse um, of of what's going on. When you see something like what's been going on lately in the states with these mass shootings, how does that look to you as someone who's in the UK? It doesn't have a dog in the fight as far as the U.S. is concerned. How does, what is the perception like for you? What does that look like to you? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, we are all um, very aware of the political sway that a certain organisation in your country has, the NRA, and how much they influence and dictate um, the decisions that are made on a political basis. It's disgusting. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's so much stuff going on on social media. The classic one I saw the other day was um, the two children, one with the, the Kinder Egg, one with the... Uh, the assault rifle, you know, mm-hmm. one of these things banned for our protection, you know. That's <laughs> just, 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 um, it's, and the solutions that they're coming up with or thinking of coming up with arming teachers, uh, you know, <laughs> bringing more guns into the school to solve the situation. Yeah, you know, your, your, your country is the only country in the world that has this problem. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just alarming that, that, Guns are so freely available. You know, I know it's something to do with, with your amendments and, and, and the laws that were written as a result of your independence war with us. Um, I think it's time for your country to start to rewrite some of these laws because they're ancient history and they do not fit in the contemporary society that we live in today. And they don't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, And all you're going to get is more... More shootings, more children being killed mm-hmm. in, in schools. And um, the only way to address that is to stop the guns. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, they're saying, well, you know, it's, it's a mental health issue. It's, you know, it's anything, it's anything but the guns that are causing the issue. Uh, it, it, it's a combination of things, and it's, it's something that people are not always willing to discuss. I mean, as, as, as two people who came up in a punk and grindcore scene that was anti-corporation, anti-government, anti-control, to now see, as of yesterday, that two of the largest corporations in this country, uh, Sam Walton's Walmart and uh, a larger sporting goods chain that you, you would not be familiar with, they both came forward, and these are right-wing corporations came forward and said we're banning any type of assault rifle that includes certain rates of fire, um, caliber, we're raising the legal uh, limit of, of purchase to age of 21, so on and so forth. They went down this whole list of all these things we're asking for in laws, and these corporations that I don't trust are stepping forward to do this of their own free will. And I'm like, what the bloody hell is going on when these corporations that I wouldn't trust to sell me a can of dog food are stepping forward, but the government won't? Like, how does that even... I don't understand how that works. Are they just playing lip service and trying to do the right thing and get themselves some good publicity off the back of it so they don't see... They're not kind of seen as being the bad bad people, the bad people. Uh, You know, it's just... just, um, I think it's all down to, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I can't you know, condone, you know, or, or condemn the uh, uh, the way that your culture is over there. But the right to bear arms uh, is endemically the the issue here, yeah. and it's so in, it's so ingrained within the culture of your country. It's it's, gonna, it's a, not a simple issue to address. You know, people will die to have their gun, won't they, you know, but yeah. that is such an alien concept to us here in, in Europe, you know, we have such a, our police force, you know, we have special armed police, obviously, especially now, uh, but, you know, our, our police force are armed, you know, we, we haven't got guns in our houses, uh, you know, we don't have the murder rate across your 
nation, you know, which is the, one of the highest in the world, you know, and it's um, mm-hmm. and until this issue is addressed, and it comes down to the fundamental issue of the amendments and the the, the civil liberty and the the rights, um, which are so old and need to be, yeah. And that's the problem. That's the problem. It's, it's not a problem that's going to go away overnight either. So, um, fortunately, not. But you know, it, it's it's a, it's a terrible situation to, to to see on the news, and it just happens time and time again. You know, it's <laughs> disgraceful. It is disgraceful, and um, I hope the only way it's going to change, the only way the political system is going to change, is through younger people becoming more involved and being more active and engaged with the process. I think for the past twenty or thirty years. You know, the media and the politicians have actively uh, fluenced and tried to get the public to be disengaged with the political process. You know, yes. it suits them fine for people just to, you know, go to work, earn their $20 an hour, whatever it is, and go home and watch telly and, and, and consume and go through that process and not engage and question the, what's going on in the society. And that's happened for about the past 20, 30 years. But I think the one thing that's happening now with the things that are happening in the world around us, with this rise of, of the wing and these issues about gun control, I think people are starting to challenge the uh, yeah, the status quo more so. And, you know, in, the young people will and can make a change. And that is how it will happen, is through, you know, them standing up and mm. if not them, the following generation. It'll take time, but, you know, I think it'll get there. I think there is hope. I'd like to think there is. I would, too. And, and the thing is, is like we, we talk about that. We talk about how history in some ways repeating itself, too, as, as far as where there was a lot of apathy in the States, you know, 30 years prior to it happening now. Uh, where you had this, like this this wake up and then it kind of went down and now it's back up, and I think we kind of see some of the same things in the music industry. Like right around the turn of the century, as the rise of digital media became a thing, the industry didn't know how to handle it. Uh, I think a lot of bands, you know, there was this thought that there was be an explosion of bands, there's too much to sift through. And although now that may be somewhat true, I do think that with the types of media out there and, and social media being what it is and the way it's been aggregated, uh, you still have the best will still rise to the top. And certainly Memoriam is an example of that. Uh, I think that if there were no good ways to get information out there and that you, to share good music, that Memoriam wouldn't necessarily get as fair a shake as it's getting. Um, something with Bolt Thrower that always kind of perplexed me is how few times you guys came over to the States live. Is that something that with Memoriam you're looking to perhaps fix on a more worldwide basis? Or, or what are the plans with that? Because I'm kind of curious with this fast-paced yeah. uh, schedule you have going. Yeah, we, I mean, we are not a band that's going to ever go on long tours. You know, we've mm-hmm. made that conscious decision from the very first point. You know, We've all got our own lives. We've all got jobs. We're very grounded. We've got fat, I've got young children. We've got responsibilities outside of the band. So we've decided that really, when we do gigs, they're going to be on our terms. We, we sort our own shows. Um, we book everything through ourselves. And we, we kind of, we play things on our, on our, our terms, really. So we're never going to go and jump in a tour coach mm-hmm. and go on the road for six weeks, ever. We've done that. It was great in Europe. Fine, fantastic. Got the T-shirt, read the book. Thank you very much. Uh, that doesn't really hold any glory or fascination for us at this point in our lives. 
So what we're doing is really just selecting, um, you know, where we want to play, you know, on our terms. Mm -hmm. um, and generally, we're just doing like a short haul, you know, kind of like we're doing like three or four gigs on the trot over a week, long weekend uh, in Europe. Uh, that seems to be the main thing. We're playing club shows, a mixture of club shows, larger corporate festivals and you know smaller independent festivals so we kind of got a mix there we've got about 30 or 30 odd shows lined up for this year you know mainly obviously in mainland europe but yeah we'd like to get back over to um, america but it's just very you know do a handful of shows um but it's logistically and financially quite um difficult to do that you've got the whole visa process which yes. is a nightmare to go through so really you need to have a festival to jump onto that kind of covers all those costs and then tag on some club shows or, or independent festival shows on after that so it's working it out economic you know economically financially and and, and fitting in with our schedule we haven't had any real offers from america at all in uh, since we started yet we've had a couple of you know prospective chances you, know, you, you would think with the interest that like mdf maryland death fest showed in both her years back um and and the shows that followed after that you would think memoriam would be a shoe-in you know yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah we've had no real kind of confirmation or interest from from, uh, from ryan and those guys down at uh at maryland well and that, would, that would be the option too mm. Because it's one of those things that it's become an institution. Um, I've never been. I've never been to one, and I, I, the only one I ever showed any interest in going to was the one that Bolt Thrower did. Uh, did not make it because of, of work obligations and so forth. Um, and the the, the never-ending, uh, if, if, you, if you were to do a search for Bolt Thrower in any of my social media, it would be every couple of years me saying, "Hey, if you're going to this ball thrower show, get me a shirt." <laughs> every single time, and it was it was just kind of this never ending kind of a thing. Um, so I, I imagine my surprise when Memoriam being signed a Nuclear Blast now has much more readily available merchandise. Was that a conscious decision or or what? What kind of prompted that? Because ball thrower was kind of notoriously DIY. So yeah, um, things work. So certain things work really well with Bolt Thrower, and certain things um, didn't. Um, and um, we were very conscious with Memorial to use the things that work well. So we kind of still retain the a lot of the DIY ethics of booking things ourselves and, and doing it, you know, the way we want to do things. But one of the things with the merchandise, it, it, it kind of almost kind of grew to the point where you know it was great. You could only get the t-shirts at the gigs, which is brilliant, which meant we could buy more, sell more at higher volumes, so it was cheaper for us to, to, to buy, you know, we bought more and sell them more, and we did great doing that. But the fact is we only did half a dozen shows a year, and we only played you know, maybe one or two territories in a year. So there's a whole world out there that were desperate to get shirts. So they, they you know, either A, turned to people that come to the shows and bought two or three and sold them on eBay for massively inflated prices, mm -hmm. or B, turned to bootleggers that they were freely available through, which, you know, is a constant battle with those as well. So in many respects, it was good, but it also was, you know, didn't work in that respect. So we made, we made the conscious decision for, to make our merchandise 
available. The first thing that I did was set up a website, a big cartel site. I run the merchandise. I do it all hands-on. You know, I really enjoy that aspect of the band. Um, we did that originally when we first started out in, in, uh, in Bolton. I, I ran all the merchandise things. So, yeah, I um, we do it all hands-on. And we've let Nuclear Blast, you know, get involved as well. So the stuff is freely available um, to to uh, to anyone that wants one, you know. So we haven't got this whole issue of bootleggers and inflated eBay prices that are, uh, you know, just, just destroy the whole point, really, and the ethos of it. So, yeah, we kind of use the things that work and change the things that didn't work so well. And um, you've, got, you've got to learn from your experiences of the past. You know, it makes you who you are um, today. Certainly true. So what, if anything, um, since starting Memoriam for you, are goals that have come to mind after starting it? Like what new opportunities or new ideas has this band grown for you? Yeah, uh, that's great. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, one of the first things we, um, we did when we sat down, you know, because the original concept was just to, as I said previously, go to the rehearsal room maybe once a week, have a few beers with your friends, have a laugh, create a bit of fun, a bit of joy, and maybe knock out some old cover songs, some you know, classics, you know, bands that inspired us to start and want to be in a band in the first place. So, you know, do some sacrilege songs, some discharge songs, anti-sex, crass, amoebics, all those kind of songs that were important to us when we first started out. Yeah, and, and it very kind of like quickly changed from, from that kind of concept. Yeah, but we, all we really imagined us doing was maybe doing that and maybe doing a few local shows, you know, doing these cover versions, and maybe ultimately releasing uh, our own 7-inch, which featured these you know, classic songs. And that was really all we wanted to do. So it's kind of grown from that, um, deviated from that massively. That idea is still in my head, though. I still would like, very much like to do an album of cover versions once we've gone through the uh, the trilogy process that we're going through now. So, but other things that were important to us um, were things like, you know, we kind of we sat down and said, well, what do we want to achieve? What do we want to achieve? What, you know, in, if it was to go great, what, what would we want to do? And um, one of the things Scott said that he wanted to have a, you know, he wanted to have an album cover done by Dan Seagrave. You know, so I think that is a box that has been thoroughly ticked quite considerably. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but also it's all about for us to play maybe territories that we hadn't played before. You know, I still would very much like to play um, in Japan. You know, I've mm. never played in Japan, so that's so still we've still got a lot of things that we want to achieve. Um, and but if we have managed to achieve a lot of the things in this very short time that we've been doing it, um, so the main main aspect was to just have some fun. That really should be the main thing for anyone at any stage at any band. That's the bottom line. And we've 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 uh, we've fulfilled that by the bucket load, and we continue to do so at every show that we do. The chemistry we've got as a band is is something um, very special. It's something you can't buy you can't create you know um it's, it's something that flows from us as individuals um as friends as close friends for such a long time and that's what really works well we, we perform very well as a live band and i think that comes across in our performances and the people that see us you know engage with that and they they, they thrive off that and in turn 
you know, we thrive off the feedback that they give us, and that's what makes it such a special uh, experience. And I think it's, it definitely speaks volumes that, that you guys have taken uh, so much negativity and turn it into a positive, which is, granted, it's a well-worn theme in death metal, but I think it was never more literal uh, than it has yeah. been with you lot, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it shines a light and it shows other people you know, that what you can achieve, you can move forward. When, when things are, are you know, at the lowest ebb, you, know, you can move ahead and move forward in, in your life and create things which have some joy to them. I mean, that's really what we're all about. Absolutely. So, folks, Memoriam's new album, The Silent Vigil, comes out March 23rd, 2018, uh, through Nuclear Blast Records worldwide. Uh, is there anything more, Carl, that you want us to know about this record moving forward? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We, we, we kind of like, uh, we'd like to say thank you to everyone that supported us so far and, and have been a part of our lives over the past 30 years and continue to be so. And uh, it's very important for us. You know, we, we appreciate that we're only in this privileged position through the support we've received off people, you know, and um, we'd just like to say thanks for, for that, for that, and having the opportunity to be able to do this. It's, it's, yeah, we, we are all, apart from Scott, we're all 50 plus, and uh, to be able to do this at our point, at this point in our lives, is absolutely amazing, and uh, we're such, having such an incredible time, and so glad that. The journey for us is continuing forward and um long may that last and yeah go and buy the album go have a listen to it and um have a listen to the lyrics i'm very proud of the way that the lyrics have come across on on the new album it's going to uh it's going to upset a lot of people out there hopefully so <laughs> that is the plan <laughs> that's my intention yes let's rock <laughs> the rotten apple cart <laughs> there you go. Well, Carl, as much as you appreciate us uh, sharing in the journey, we appreciate that you guys, you know, pick yourselves up and continue that journey. And thank you uh, for taking this journey with me today on the Grindhead Podcast. I sure do appreciate you, mate. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, Jim. And, and one of the pivotal points of this interview that really meant something to me was the fact that our first album had some meaning to you when you lost your mom as well. So that's that's for me getting that feedback from from you. Was, uh, was, 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 was fantastic, so uh, thanks for providing that for me. Anytime, mate, and you're welcome back any, anytime. Yes, I look forward to speaking to you uh, around about this time next year when we release the next album. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a date, and we'll do it the first time, not the fifth time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, mate, I appreciate nice one, you. Jim. You have a good evening, mate. Well, you good too. afternoon, where you are. <laughs> Cheers. Take care.